Hey folks, Season 4, Episode 8 of the Application Security Podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Mohammed Imran. And the title of this episode is Back to the Lab Again with the DevOps. So Mohammed does classes on securing DevOps, and he's also the project lead for this new really cool project called DevSecOps Studio that's part of OWASP. And so we dive into all these things and so much more. Hope you enjoy. The Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hey folks, we are once again at AppSec EU this week, and I am joined by Imran, who is at AppSec EU teaching a training class on DevSecOps. And so we're going to get into many different areas of DevSecOps in the OWASP universe. But first, Imran, why don't you tell us what is your security origin story? How'd you get started in AppSec? Yeah, first of all, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, so I'm Imran. As Chris just mentioned, uh, and I've been doing more of offensive security from uh, close to a decade now. And then my journey started in this uh, from a open uh, source conference uh, in Black in India. Okay. And then uh, I was just helping someone build a, a distribution which is specific to one of the Indian language. I was helping them to build that. This is Linux the, distribution. Yes. Okay. Based out of. Uh, it's a fork of Debian. Okay. And then uh, one of the presenters there was a guy called Manu Zakaria. Uh, and then he showed us how you could use uh, SQL injection to get a get hold of credit cards from a you know, from a website, a typical you know uh, normal SQL injection, error based uh, SQL injection. And that led me to dig deeper into security, how you know what you could do. And, but I did had some experience in terms of tweaking ca cartridge, if you remember get cartr uh, games cartridges. Mm -hmm. uh, so I used to tweak them to make sure, you know, without keys as well, or it, it works on some other console as well. Okay. Yeah. So I did had some uh, experience, but this was quite interesting to me. And like, oh wow, this is something I should look into. And that led to me going deeper into it. And then uh, I used to hang a lot in IRC free on Freenode. And then I was part of a bunch of those uh, couple of groups. And that led to uh, me getting a job in um, one of a company from uh, right after my school, immediately after school. Okay. Yeah. And so you started on the offensive side as yeah. pen tester yes. then? Yes. Okay. And then you spent most of your time, are you still a pen tester today? Occasionally. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, as, uh, I started as pen tester doing mostly vulnerability assessment, pen testing. Um, code review of firewalls, internet devices, network devices, and then uh, uh, after a couple of uh, years, and then I looked into more like a product security aspects of it. Like I I'm definitely good at getting into networks. What can I do to prevent people from getting into it? Like, yeah, I mean, it seems like 
yeah. in our industry we have such a focus on offensive. Offense, yeah. Nobody like maybe I don't know maybe defensive isn't cool. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. everybody wants to break stuff. Nobody wants to put the pieces back together. So yeah. it's it's great to hear that you've made the transition now from your thinking to say mm-hmm. I can break it. Now let's go turn around and yeah. say how do we how do we prevent it from being yeah. broken? Right. And to be honest, uh, defense is more challenging than offense. It's always, uh, yeah, it it's always a very is, difficult right? problem to solve. The defender has to be right every time, yes. whereas the offensive person has to be right yeah. just one time. That's yeah. I didn't come up with that. That was Richard Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> That's a quote from right. a a, bare, a a badly copied quote from Richard Belichick, but that was that's what he that's what he was very clear on. Yeah. That, uh, you got to be right as a defender all the time, and that could cause people to lose hope. But yeah. There is hope out there that we can uh, we can create defenses and we can make this possible. So he did this class here at um, EU talking about DevSecOps, a three-day class. I'm just curious, what is what do you even cover in a three-day? Seems like that's a class you could teach for 365 days. Yeah, exactly. DevSecOps, exactly. And we wouldn't ever be done. Yeah. We'd still have oh well, we still got half more of the content to cover. So, um, what, what did you actually what did you teach over three days? Okay, so before I go into what I teach, let me give a couple of uh, background details of it. Right? Yeah, sure. So, uh, as I mentioned, I switched from offensive side of uh, security to the defensive side of security. And in doing so, I realized quickly that uh, the ratio between DevOps and security is pretty skewed, right? For example, uh, and I'm, I'm being very optimistic here, which is for every 100 developers, you have one security person, mm-hmm. or for every 10 ops, you have one security person. And this is this is just a you know a usually quoted ratio, but it's worse than that. Usually, I see like five hundred to one security engineer, or, yeah. you know, two hundred to one security engineer. But then, as I as we can see that we are outnumbered, and no matter what we do, we ha- we cannot do security in a very um, you know do a security up to a satisfiable uh, standards, right? Uh, up to like where you feel yes, I'm confident that I did a good job and it's good enough, right? So that led to me looking into, hey, how are ops solving? Because their ratio seems to be pretty messed up as well, 100 to to 10. And then I digged into how they do, you know, infrastructure as code, how they do immutable code, and that led to me uh, digging more into DevSecOps and how security can fit into this uh, amazing revolution we call as DevOps these days. Yeah. So, you, so you learned some of your perspective from what the DevOps yes. people were doing natively yeah. Yeah. before security got involved. Yeah. Okay. And I was blown by the tooling they have. Like, <laughs> and the first time I, I looked at uh, how they do configuration management or infrastructure as code, I, I, the first thing which struck to me was that, holy shit, security is like 100 years uh, behind uh, dev and ops and then that led to further um, uh, looking into further tools like for example docker is there which is pretty amazing lightweight yeah. easy to get started and you can do tons of amazing stuff right and that uh, because of that instead of me doing a one project before I had automation I could automate in my entire scanning for the entire organization in, in a week or so pretty easily and I could create some generic components which everyone can go and then put into their pipelines without me explaining them what it does, how it does. I just say, hey, pull the Docker container and then just run it. Okay. Right? Those are the two things. And obviously the techniques you use to do that is different. For example, 
If you want to do static analysis, you might be using Bandit, which is an open source tool for Python. Or if, you, if you're running Ruby on Rails code, you might use something like Brickman. Mm -hmm. And similarly, every language has such, right? Golang has uh, gas, and then Java has fine security bugs. So yeah. every language has uh, that. So that's what I teach in my class. So it doesn't matter which language you are using, but the techniques to run a static analysis or a dynamic analysis or con convert your hardening scripts into configuration management so that you can do hardening as soon as the code is committed into your repository. So instead of you doing off the, you know, off the CI/CD, on a regular interval you do it in the CI/CD. Yep. So you get your hardening for free. And not only that, with concepts like immutable infrastructure, which is what Docker is all about, you, you don't harden anymore. What you do, if you have a patch, what you do is that you take out your existing infrastructure down and then you bring new infrastructure up. And we were able to do this is because of this amazing technology like infrastructure as code, which includes the platform like Amazon, GCP, Azure, yeah. or if you're running internally, something like OpenShift will help you. So we need to have three things in place to do this. One is uh, platform, and then you need to have some way of converting, hey, how much memory do I have to put in this? How, many, how much RAM I have to put in? That as a definition in a file, mostly a YAML file, right? Uh, DevOps loves YAML file. Yeah. So in a YAML file. And then you need, once you spit up a machine, you might uh, be willing to configure it according to your spec. You might say, hey, you know what? You have to change your password every 90 days because you are PCI compliant, right? You can tweak it and twist it however you want. And no matter what compliance you have to be compliant to, you can tweak it. And not only you can tweak it, you can put it in the same repository where developers are coding. Okay. And that gives you tremendous visibility. And even developers, without you saying anything, they will look into the build and say, hey, Imran, I see that you are running Bandit or Brickman. Why are we doing this? I see that we have 10 uh, tools in this and I have 10 bugs, high severity bugs. Maybe I should go look at it. I, I'm not filling a build, so to say. Yeah. They're just curious because let's say if, if someone is, is in your house, you will be curious where he, where this person is from, what yeah. he's doing, why is he here. Yeah. So, so that takes you, so we kind of talked about static, the static perspective here, yeah. uh, dynamic yeah, uh, and vulnerability scanning, you fit those into the same yes. Yes. same kind of frameworks and right, things? Right. So I do dynamic analysis as well. But by nature of these tools, it, it's very difficult to uh, run them uh, effectively, meaning that uh, even for, let's say, you have about 100 endpoints, 100 web pages. And uh, take an example that each of them have like uh, a 10 input points, like a username, password, and all that. And if you do the math, it would at least take you a couple of hours to effectively fuzz all those endpoints to do all the scanning. But a, a rule which all security professionals should ab abide by in DevSecOps is that anything which takes more than five to 10 minutes shouldn't be part of your CI-CD. Yep. So you should be running it somewhere else uh, as a scheduled job. Yep. So what we do instead run is we use uh, something like Zap Scanner, yep. right? But we run only baseline scans, meaning some, which uh, at least gives you uh, a good uh, effective coverage in terms of finding low-hanging fruit. Like for example, uh, you have configured SSL, but your cookies are not marked with secure uh, flag. Yep. Right. 
So we take our guys from doing static analysis, dynamic analysis, and uh, and then you know hardening how you can automatically harden it, creating golden images, and then uh, compliance as code. Uh, and before we do this, we have to then teach them, hey, how how you can push code to Git. And unfortunately, unfortunately, security guys don't know how to push code to a Git repository. Many of yeah. them don't. Even if. But and some of that, the problem there is that security people didn't become develop. They didn't come from development. So yes. I mean, for example, in my story, I mm. came from the sysadmin side. Mm. So I only learned to, to code in Java yeah. because I was working on a cool project mm -hmm. to build an event correlator. Yeah. We're going way back before the products existed for mm. event correlation. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to build one with a yeah. friend of mine at work. Mm -hmm. And so we learned Java to do it. But so a lot of people are coming to security like yeah. me who are sysadmin minded yeah. and don't code. And that's why I always recommend when people say, how do I get into cybersecurity? Mm -hmm. Well, step eh, step two or three, mm -hmm. learn a programming language. Yeah. I don't care which one. So. Yeah. Great suggestion. Yeah. I, I, would, I would rather, I would definitely do that as well. Right? And then, um, so because now, I would say a couple of years down the line, you will not have a, a specific infra, infosec engineer who does only SOC operations or network uh, access control or yeah. you know, network kind of a security, traditional infosec role. Uh, we will not have something like AppSec engineer or a compliance uh, person, analyst, security analyst, but we will just have security engineer. Reason being, now everything, software is just eating the world. Right? We, we all heard that uh, term. And then everything is code now. Infrastructure is code, yeah. right? The compliance is becoming code. So yeah. if not now, eventually that's going to, yeah. that's I mean, where we are it's heading. It's probably yeah. 10 yeah. years in the future yeah. or so because you think of, you know, I spent uh, 10 years of my career at Cisco. Yeah. And Cisco is in some places at the forefront of mm -hmm. DevOps and in some places, like, Team, for, pe for teams that are still building software that runs on hardware boxes, mm -hmm. on metal boxes, mm -hmm. you, you don't commit code 20 times a day to a yeah. metal box right. running somewhere. Mm -hmm. You can try to get that close, but yeah. big ISPs don't like to upgrade yeah. upgrade code 20 times a day. Yeah. They like to upgrade code once a six, every six months, and they test the next version for six mm -hmm. months mm -hmm. to go. Uh, but you're right. I mean, over time, we will oh, yeah. slowly get to the point where DevOps takes over yeah. Completely takes over the world now. I mean, if anybody was deli was delivering a web app in a non DevOps mode right now, then yeah. shame on them because <laughs> web apps are designed. I mean, they are yeah. they are primed to operate in this fast mode. Yeah. Um, so what what other so when you when you what what other tools do you think are crucial in the DevSecOps world? Um, what other tools do people need to know if they say that they're DevSecOps wise? Yeah. So I would say you definitely have to learn a little bit about Git. Like how do you add a file to it? How do you okay. commit it? That's central to what we do. Like everything has code philosophy. Uh, that's definitely one of them. And then the other tool you have to learn is how a CI/CD system works. Okay. And which? Right? So I mean, is there a particular one that you're teaching and you're focusing yeah, so on? We are primarily focusing on GitLab because it's free and open source and GitLab. I can uh, share it with others. In okay, our now is yeah. GitLab, can you do similar things like Jenkins and Kubernetes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are all, yes. those are all yeah. synonyms for each other right. in this. But you could do it much uh, nicer and easier way in GitLab. In GitLab? Yeah, it's because it's just simple YAML file. Okay. Instead of you clicking a bunch of buttons, it's just one file with simple steps. Like you say, hey, 
uh, once you are done with your deployment, I want you to run this script. And the way you say is script colon and hyphen whatever command, whatever you run in your CLI. Like say you want to run nmap scan once you deploy to make sure that the ports are not exposed. Yep. You just say nmap minus ox and save a file, the output of the file, and then give an IP address. Okay. And it's, it's, it's very simple to use. So GitLab is a good foundation for those that are starting out. Yeah. In the, in this world of DevOps, because I mean, it's it's possible for people to learn about DevOps on their own. They can yeah. just set yeah, up yeah, an yeah, environment yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and go. I learned on my own. No one taught me. Okay. And so GitLab is where is a good place to start, though, for people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Pretty simple to use, uh, but you also have to understand the concepts behind what CI/CD is trying to achieve, and why why it exists, right? And once you do that, uh, then you should learn configuration management system. For example, Ansible, which is again open source, is pretty easy to understand and get started with. Okay. Uh, and once you do that, uh, and bunch of our, our traditional security tools, for example, static analysis, dynamic yeah. analysis tools, right? All those tools. Now, if you can do these four things, your 90% of your job is done by just these tools. After the break, we get into what is DevSecOps Studio and why would you create it? The Application Security Podcast operates with support from Security Journey. A security belt program provides the three pillars of successful AppSec training, learning, application, and experience. Visit us on the web at www.securityjourney.com to learn how you can teach and empower your developers using a new kind of security training. Now we'll pick back up with Muhammad asking the question, what is DevSecOps Studio and why would you create it? So one of the reasons why I created uh, DevSecOps Studio was that um, I realized we don't understand. As a security, we don't understand how a GitLab can be used, a CI/CD system can be used, or how a, a configuration management system like Ansible is used. Right? If you do these, then you can embed security as part of CI/CD system, and your mean time to remediate or fix a vulnerability can go from, let's say, six months to just a couple of minutes because developers have immediate feed, feedback and okay. they, they know what goes wrong. And if you want to, you can fail a bell, you find a vulnerability, a serious vulnerability, a critical vulnerability. Yep. Based on, again, criteria you can decide, whatever, based on your company policies. Okay. Now, uh, and then I showed this to my boss, saying that, hey, see this, I did this, and our mean time to remediate went from six months to just a couple of minutes, which was pretty impressive. Yeah. And then, you should, yeah. Get a, you should get a raise or promotion at that point. Yeah, definitely. I, I yeah. think so. I yeah. vote yes. Yes. And then, uh, and then uh, he asked me, hey, why don't you teach our guys? Right? And then I thought, hey, okay, let's go ahead and do it. And then thought, maybe there is a, already an OWASP project which does this. I could go around it. <laughs> Famous uh, last words. Maybe yeah, there's exactly. an OWASP project that yeah, does exactly. this. exactly. And then there was none. So then went ahead and created all of that. So what I do in the project is that we simulate an entire CI/CD pipeline. Okay, so this is virtual. You're giving us. You're giving me virtual machines yeah, exactly. that I can use. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to so I don't have to set all these things up. Yes, you're gonna you're gonna give me a, a reference architecture implementation. Right. Okay. Exactly. With all these tools, so you have all CI/CD tools in it, and at least it covers at least one category of like Git server, CI/CD server, configuration management. Not only that, we also 
install all the important tools which you as a security professional use. You use Nmap, you use okay. Gauntlet, you use BDD security, and all of the tools. Even we have Metasploit installed in there. Okay, and just in case. You name it, yes. And then we have something like Inspect, which is like a, a compliance as code tool, so okay. you can do that. And then using Ansible, there's an open source project called uh, DevSec Hardening. Okay. Right? Uh, what it does is it gives you ready-made scripts you can use to harden your Ubuntu machine, Red Hat machine, and all of that. Okay. Right? Not only that, it also gives you scripts to check for compliance using Inspect. All okay. of those are there in your DevSecOps Studio. So it's easy to get started. So if I have to summarize, I would say DevSecOps Studio is designed to create a platform, a distribution, a virtual machine for you to learn and teach DevSecOps principles. Now, did you use this in your class that you yes, taught here? Yes, exactly ah. the same thing. Okay. And it's open source and it's free. So you can download it and just run. And we are using the same concepts you would use in your day-to-day -day job to create the environment as well. It's not an ISO. You just run two commands. You say vagrant up and it's up. It will create, it uses infrastructure as code, the technique which DevOps use to build that entire stack. So you're actually practicing what you preach here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not just giving me a bunch of ISO files that yeah. have already been pre-configured. Yeah. It's actually going to use all the tools that you tell people to use to yeah. build up this this environment. Yeah. And so then I, as a user of DevSecOps Studio, I can try all these tools out. I can figure out, I can commit code, I can make changes to infrastructure mm -hmm. services and things and just it's a playground for me to, yeah. to figure out how these tools work and to try and maybe break stuff and, yeah. and see what happens. Okay. And more importantly, embed security as part of that. Right? This is not a DevOps uh, distribution, rather yep. DevSecOps. Yeah, so you got security baked into that yes, as well yes. to let people see how that works. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and oftentimes you have to show people, hey, this is how you do it. And then they will be like, oh, yeah, then now I understand. Yeah. Right. No, I think it's. A, I think that's a yeah. valid teaching yeah. technique to provide all the pieces and then let yeah. let people start. Because I mean, let's face it, that is a very daunting task for somebody who's new to yeah. DevOps. Exactly. Just to set up one of the pieces that we talked yeah. about here. Yeah. If you're not now, I mean, I told you. I mean, I came from the sysadmin background, so mm -hmm. I enjoy. You know, I would think that would be fun to put those pieces together. Yeah, yeah. But most people are going to look at that and say, this is terrible trying to get yeah. Ansible installed yeah. and working on my yeah. VM somewhere mm -hmm. and then getting it to talk to the other pieces and things. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea about pulling it all together. I love the fact that you have security built into this so that there's really no option. It's not an optional thing. It's built into this, this process that you have. And then I guess if we come back around the other project you work on, DevSlop, mm -hmm. now it's all about... A broken yes. applications that yeah. uses. Yeah. So, does DevSlop use any of the pieces from DevSecOps Studio, or are these completely separate? Okay, so DevSlop started as a project to build vulnerable microservices, so we can teach people how to do it in a modern infrastructure. Yeah. Right. And modern infrastructure has CI/CD built into it, so you can put DevSlop into DevSecOps Studio. Oh, okay. Right? You can run it in there. Yes, exactly. And okay. then teach people, hey. You know, if, if it, even if it's a monolith or a microservice, the pipeline is going to be the same. There are obviously some differences in terms of how you deploy it, right? But the thing is, it has to go through a pipeline, right? 
is there any way to include like a reference architecture for I know we have like Azure we have AWS we have Google's cloud mm -hmm. platform mm -hmm. um, is there any way to connect that into kind of the DevSlop or DevSecOps studio mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hierarchy yeah so no matter which stack you're using or you know cloud provider you're using the basics and fundamentals are same okay. for example you have um, a service like code commit in AWS, right? Okay. Which does a job like GitLab, okay. right? which is like a version control system. It's AWS's version of version it. Version of it. Okay. You, then also they have like code deploy, which does your continuous deployment. Okay. Right? Even though the names are different and the way they work are a little bit different, syntactically and then by design, but the concept is same. So, and that's what we do in our class as well. We teach t tools which you can use on both on-premise setup, like for example, your financial industry, you cannot use SaaS by, compli by compliance reason because yeah. of compliance reasons. Then you can use the same set of tools, not only to do on-premise, but also on cloud. Because fundamentally you're just, let's say you, can, you, you want to start an EC2 machine. Once you start it, it's fundamentally the same. You just log in using SSH key inside, yeah. just like a bare metal box. But the thing which we are doing before is, that is important, which is to spin it up using APIs. Okay. But the fundamentals remain same. Fundamentals remain the same. Yeah. Okay, so where, where do you recommend somebody go to get started in this? I mean, you've got DevSecOps Studio. Yeah. I mean, obviously not everybody can get to your class, but mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you offer that again, that would obviously sound like it would be a good place for people to start. Yeah. What about those people who won't get to your class? Where do, they, where do they get started in this world of DevSecOps Studio? What do they do first? Yeah. Uh, go to you know DevSecOps Studio project. There you have a wiki which explains you how all of this is set up, and then how you can embed security as part of that. Okay, and is the the integration of DevSlop into DevSecOps Studio is that documented or is that something that people have to yeah, figure out? Yeah, it is documented. Okay, and so you, I can you find you have a lot steps. of pictures, and then you, you I, can listen, figure this out. I, I like pictures. Yes. Pictures are yeah. you know they make it possible for me to understand yeah. complicated things yeah. that. Uh, Y'all are explaining to me. So, um, okay. So Imran, great. Thanks for sharing this. I didn't even know before we sat down. I told you uh -huh. I didn't even know DevSecOps Studio existed as a thing. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So I'm glad to hear about it. It sounds like a very uh, good project for people to learn. I love these type of environments where you help people build it up, and then they can do whatever they want and play with it and push it and poke all the buttons and see what happens. So I think you're on and going the right direction there. And um, so thanks for sharing it with us and uh, enjoy the rest of your conference. Yeah, thank you for having me and I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and visit the iTunes store and give us a five-star rating. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Bourne and TJ. And the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.